Yo, everybody, Trey here from the Ennium Podcast, a space where we amplify the collective brilliance of the of the talent in Denver's backyard, making sure that we don't have to continue to outsource our ideas or our solutions for our community. Really excited to welcome you all to episode two, week two. My man Elijah Huff is in the building. Um, this man is a, a graduate from Manual High School from the Five Points area, um, also the founder of East End Visions where he looks to bring unity and a shared positive vision for the future for his community, uh, both in the Five Points area as well as throughout Denver. Uh, today we, we, we get some real gems from my man. Uh, we explore ideas of gentrification, um, his story, and the process of finding your vision. Um, with that, I hope you all enjoy. Peace. How you living? Good, man. I'm feeling good. Um... The weather's getting ready to change a little bit. I'm excited for some cold weather, but I'm you're excited for cold weather. I'm excited for some cold weather, man. I'm sure. not a fan of being hot. I'm really? not a fan of being hot. I'm not a fan of being super cold as well, but at least you can turn on the heat and you know what I'm saying, warm up. But I feel like once it's hot, air conditioning's good, but heat's just so inescapable. Like it's just like I don't I I don't mess with real heat. That's why I'm Never moved to the South. I never in my <laughs> life moved to Arizona. Like, I'll do a couple weeks in Africa, and that's it. Like, I'm not doing yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'd rather deal with the heat. There's no way to look tough when you're shivering. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is real life. When you're, you, can, you can try, you can have all the bad words coming out your mouth regardless if you're shivering. Yeah, there's no looking tough. Yeah, man, you're, you're stuck, man. Well, I'm, I'm happy you're here. Um, I'm happy to I'm be excited, here. I'm excited, bro, the... Uh, feel blessed to be able to have been able to like build a relationship with you over the last like what has it been like almost a year now almost a year yeah man and what's been built like since then has been crazy bro yeah that's um, crazy that's yeah. crazy it's been a fast roller coaster year man this one the high points me and you and going through this whole process has been one of the high points in a very crazy year for sure likewise man likewise yeah. bro. um but excited for, for folks just to like get to know who you are and like, you know, as, as I said before, you know, like the whole idea of this platform is to be able to, you know, highlight like the brilliance we got in our backyard that, you know, they don't, they don't be seeing. So. I like it, man. I think you're onto something here. Like I told you last time we talked, I think, um, I think this has got like a good opportunity to be a space, not only for like people growing ideas, but for those people in power positions to just be able to, get ideas that are effective and like down to earth. Cause I feel like these people come up with these concepts and ideas for, especially around education and just development of the city in general that are very much um, come from their perspective and not from like the ground perspective of people who do grassroots work here. So like, I, I'm really with you on that, man. I feel like this is like a cultural space and like a hub for all the grassroots people to really come together and be heard and as yeah. loud as they should be, you know, because I don't know. It's, it, grassroots is so it's such like a deep thing to say to me because it's like I feel like it's something that explains like downscaled or small efforts. But if anything, I think it should be rebranded as like the most powerful because the roots are what make a tree, you know, yeah. they're what make things. So without the grassroots, I mean, we're watching in this election without grassroots organizations, it would have been it would have lost. Yeah. Know, I, lost hands down without the grassroots so. in a lot of ways grassroots should be rebranded branded as foundations mm -hmm. <laughs> you feel me like 
these are these this is the foundation man without that we're uprooted you know but um let's just start off man like like tell us your story who are you um how'd you get here today cool cool so uh, my name is Elijah Huff. Uh, I am from the east side of Denver, the Five Points. Um, I always like to kick off my story by saying I grew up there before it was fully gentrified. So for the people in the community who <clears throat> who see a younger guy like me talk about he's from the Five Points, a lot of people automatically assume I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, hmm. if you've grown up in the east side and you've been in the Five Points from, see, I was born in 97. If you've been there from 97 to 2000, 15, 16, you know, the neighborhood didn't really make a de-dramatic shift until like 2015, 16. So um, my grandparents bought their first house on 24th and Gaylord. Uh, I grew up with literally my entire family in one house at one point. My great grandmother, my great aunt, my grandmother, my mom, my uncle, uh, my three cousins, and then a host of other extended family members Jeez. lived all in one house. So um it was definitely a unique home for me for sure i went to combine elementary kicked off uh, most of the school there and went back and forth between a private school out in cherry creek my mom made a big effort to try to keep me out of public schools the best she could just because she knew some of the things that were going on in the neighborhood but uh first couple years of my life first eight years of my life were pretty dope um i do come from a family that is heavily gang infested and and jumped into the street life. My mom jumped into the gangs when she was about 11 or 12. My uncle around that same age as well. Um, I come from a family of, of drug dealers. That's just the truth. Uh, my mom, before she shifted and changed her life, that's all she knew. Grandparents, all she knew. It was only my great aunt who kept me in church and kind of kept me rooted and uh, built a solid foundation that keep me from making some quick turns, but that's definitely where I come from. But I would say in the beginning years of my life, they were pretty dope. They were pretty good. And then when I was eight, uh, unfortunately, my grandmother, in the beginning of the gentrification wave, um, my great aunt who was in, had control of the house, sold the house. And that was like the beginning of the first wave of um, black homeowners getting ready to sell their house. So that was in about 2005, late 2005, maybe early 2006, but I'm pretty sure late 2005. And then from there is when life kind of got, I would say, pretty real. And then I really kind of started to grow out of the innocence of a child and really start to see like the damaging effects of what the five points had being affected by gang culture. So uh, from there, my grandmother passes away shortly after my great grandmother does. And then my grandmother right after that. So then that mm. sent my mom into a um, that sent my mom into a real deep depression It sent her into a homeless a period of homelessness and she shipped me off to go stay with my aunt for a couple years in middle school but I was kind of going back and forth from just trying to stay with my mom wherever she really was at the time just being frankly honest wherever it was in the neighborhood and in that period between um when I was eight years old to about 14 15 there was about a period of a year where my mom was like really homeless but then moving from apartment to apartment I think we moved somewhere between 15 to 20 times, frankly honest, between out throughout the east side, somewhere between 10 to 12, and then throughout like Aurora a couple of times, I'd say like three, four or five times. But yeah, we were bouncing around a lot. But uh, among all else, my uncle still grew up in the east side. So either e any given way, like or either way, I was always in the east side at some period and point, even though I went to school 
my mom had made the decision to send me to a Hope Online School on Cherry Creek. I still would either come down to my uncle's house or be with my mom at whoever's friend's house she was at. So I spent- That was, that was still home. Yeah, that was still home. Definitely yeah. still home. Um, went to the Salvation Army all the time. Like when I got in middle school, uh, my mom finally, uh, she finally got on her feet towards the back end of middle school. So about seventh, eighth grade, um, she was able to get an apartment on 31st of Lafayette across the street from Cole. Mm -hmm. And then from there is when we started, we started getting pretty, we started getting pretty stable in that period. We weren't, we stopped moving just in the back, the back end year. So then that's where I spent like most of my East side days going to the Glen arm and um, coming back and forth from Red Shield and, that was home. The East Side was my home. So uh, I grew up with a lot of a lot of dudes who ended up growing up to make that decision in high school. I ended up going to Manual High School, did all four years there. And then in that period in time is when things really, I would say, really, really started to shift. A lot of my friends started really making that decision to join into the gangs. And um, I was blessed to stay away from that, to be honest. I had a good foundation with my mom who taught me the real ins and outs of gang banging that went beyond being dead or in jail because that's the only two options they give you. Like you either go die or go to jail. Well, that's true. But the honest part about that as well is if you smart and you know, God bless me with, with wisdom and intellect, the truth is a lot, a lot of people survive for a good period of time. You yeah. know, jail comes a little earlier, but sometimes death is, is pushed off. So let's talk about life while you're mm -hmm. living. And you know, she expressed that idea of being a felon, mm -hmm. um, expressed the idea of just, uh, the kind of horrors that come with the actions that you have to take to be a notable gang member. Because, you know, if you go do anything, I was taught that if you're going to do anything, do it the best. So yeah. my mom was like, if you go be a football player, you go try to be the best. If you go be a basketball player, you go try to be the best. If you go be a crip, you go try to be the best. So understanding yeah. that the consequences that come with trying to be a super crip are going to put you into a life of addiction, pain, turmoil, and trauma. So when she put it that way to a young kid, it was a it was a little bit more dynamic than just dying or go to jail. Yeah. The cockiness wants to tell you you not go die and go go to jail, but your immaturity stops you from thinking about what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. My mom, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> to say that. My my mom would say uh, when I was younger, she was like, "Teray, like I have full confidence you can be and do anything you want to do." She's like, "But sometimes I'm afraid of what that might mean." Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what I mean? Luckily, it, luckily it worked out. You know, That's she it. also, she also told me my mouth was either going to land, get me rich, or land me in jail. Neither Absolutely. of those things have happened yet, but shit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. It looked like yeah, our moms are definitely cut from the same cloth. It's like, yeah. that nah, really, but I, it's that raw ahead. perspective. It's that raw perspective, bro. And so yeah, high school shakes and bakes. I go off, um, graduate high school, have some good athletic careers, all that great stuff. Go off to Fort Lewis College and then um, May 9th of 2016, I was home for spring break and one of my closest friends was shot and killed in Park Hill. Um, his name was Terrell Burton Jr. Um, that was like, that was just really my boy. He, I walked home for the first time with him in like second grade, leaving Columbine. Um, I used to not be able to travel to Park Hill without him when the Hiawatha days when Hiawatha Rec was the most popping rec center and everybody was just trying to hoop before Cripping and blood and attached to any of us. And we was just kids hooping, but just still the politics that surrounded us. My mom wouldn't let me go up there unless he was with me. So like he would catch the bus early in the morning because he lived in uh, Montbello at the time. And he catched the 43 all the way down from the parking ride and meet me at my house. And then we get on the 43 back up Martin Luther King, 
get off on Martin Luther King of Holly. So like that was just my boy and that kind of changed my life, man. That's what kind of got me started with just the whole, um, I don't know what you want to call it, um, social movement, I guess, whatever you want to say, just um, advocacy for, for just the streets in general just kind of started right there. Cause what I started to realize when I would sit and I was in my, my pain and frustration, cause the neighborhood wanted to tell me to retaliate one way, but by that time I was already 18, I was grown. I had already did a semester in college. I was playing ball. Like I had already, I had already taken the, the road less traveled and was deep in. So to retract and go back to that way was just not only would it have been a bad decision, but I'm also not a rookie to the streets. So jumping in later in life is extremely looked down upon in general, more so, even in that life. So like not being a rookie and understanding the politics around me, I was just like, you know, I not only am I killing myself and, and not doing what my homeboy would want, I'm not even going right by the code of the system yeah. itself. So how, how justified would I be? You know, how, yeah. how legit would I be? And then that's just the reality to it because a lot of people try to change the situation about the streets without understanding the framework and the politics and the workings of it. And when you understand the politics and working of it, you not go, you go understand what approaches to take and what approaches not to take. And in that wisdom and just understanding the fact that my homeboy had just died for it to think that I was going to be above it just because I jumped in later would, mm -hmm. would have been idiotic. So that's when I decided to retaliate in a different way. And I've been kind of I changed my degree from philosophy to uh, sociology. And then I've just been kind of kind of jumping on this and then came home and a couple of things happened that kind of pushed this idea about East End Vision, seeing a couple kids lose their lives in the streets down here and just seeing a need of call for action and just always being tapped in. And and now we're here today, man, and, and making deep connections with you and, and getting this started, man. It's an, an exciting process. Oh, I feel it, man. That, uh... I notice when you talk about about things, you talk a lot about you use a lot of vernacular that people use in like the professional setting. You feel what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you know, the politics, the, mm -hmm. the 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 foundation, the infrastructure shit mm -hmm. that I feel like, you know, that that concept of like that street smarts is smarts, too. Mm -hmm. And like how that could be elevated in these in these different spaces. I don't I don't think people see that. You know, what I mean, I think they think that when you come from a certain space. You know, you have to learn all this stuff, but nah, bro. Like you, you had to learn all of it, and the stakes were a lot higher. Absolutely, like losing a job, man. So absolutely, absolutely. And I think people don't pay attention to the politics because they don't understand or understand the correlation is because people forget that oppression that we have faced, especially just the fact that gang culture has affected people of color more so than it has our white counterparts. So when yep. you look at our white counterparts as the oppressors, we we just emulate their capitalist system with the scraps that we're left, left. You know, the OGs in the set are nothing but our elected politicians. That's mm -hmm. all it is, is who have gone through the code of conduct as in the American system in order to be a politician, at least we thought before. You had to go get an education um, in law and, you know, in, in politics, and then you had to go on to serve in this and that, and there were steps- The credentials. Higher. Exactly. Well, the credentials yeah. of the neighborhood just happen to come with violence because of the oppression we face. But the OGs are nothing but elected politicians that are governing nation states that <laughs> are fighting for resources the same way that we as, Amer as America fight for resources against China and other 
dominant cultures and countries around the place. It's the same thing. It's just at a, a macro micro level, if that makes it a macro yeah. micro macro level, if that yeah. makes sense. So it's, it's just the same thing getting passed along. You just got to open your eyes to understand that this whole system is nothing but uh, a reflection of the greater system that oppresses it. Yeah. Yeah. That's some real shit. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about Eastern Visions, man. I see the hoodie you got on. Yeah. So this right here, this East First um, Eastern Visions, the whole idea was kind of just looking at the politics of what was happening with um, with the gangs. And and my thing is, growing up, when I've seen every effort of gang, um, what's 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 the word, reconciliation or just trying to heal the tension between gangs, it's always trying to get one side to march across one line to meet the other side and and create this peace and unity. But a lot of people don't understand the, a lot of the politics that go into fueling the war. And what we're having basically down here in Denver and speaking for my community, I won't speak much more so for like Montbello or, um, you know, Westwood or Aurora or just some of these other neighborhoods because that's not, that's not much my lane. I have guesses from what I know from my friends, but pertaining just to my side of town, what we were dealing with with a lot of things that were fueling the war that we were involved in was just the lack of unity. Um, gentrification just really ripped apart the east side to where a lot of the gangs that would have grown up next to each other, and just quick pause, quick disclaimer, there will always be gangs. Yeah. Like, I don't care how much money you pump into the community, I don't care what it is, uh, tribalism, gang culture is naturally human. So. With that being said, uh, the gangs that do exist in the east side of Denver, the Trey Deuces, the Trey Trey's, the Outlaws, Trey Sev, East Side Riders, all these gangs that exist in a bunch of other ones that I didn't name, uh, we all grew up next to each other before the neighborhood was tore up. So you would understand that if you were from East Side Riders, your brother was from Trey Deuce because he's from the same neighborhood. He lives just a couple blocks up the street. We both go to the Glen Arm together. We both go to Red Shield. We've got all these things in unison together. So there's no reason for there to be tension between us that makes it difficult for me to trust who's around me and which mm -hmm. makes it even more difficult to trust those who are against me. So yeah. with all of that going on, basically, I wanted to look at, well, to heal first what's going on at home before I try to go talk about what's going on with Park Hill and going on in other neighborhoods, let's let's clean up the trash that's going on at home. So this East First thing is kind of a message around not only just with gang culture, but more so just the split in the identity by the generations. There are some people who don't consider my generation as East Side or as Five Points because it was gentrified in my era. So, you know, I didn't grow up with, you know, the Five Points and Welton booming the same way that it is, you know, back then, like it is now, it's just not the same. And some people don't take my five points as validness. So it's just the idea of no matter what hood you're from, what generation you're from, you know, no matter what, what you should value is the East first. And that's just kind of what we've focused in on. And not only just selling t-shirts, but having community events around it. So the first thing I had was a pop-up shop. I believe it was August 17th, I believe was the day in Fuller Park. And we just had, just had the community come out. We just sold some t-shirts in the space had a good time, had music and food. Um, we had a lot of the young dudes come out and it was just an opportunity for all us Eastsiders or Five Points natives to just be able to claim space in our neighborhood again and unify and rebrand the message of what it means to be an Eastsider and be from the Five Points. And then after that, a couple uh, couple weeks ago, we threw a basketball tournament with 
some buddies of mine in Avenue Sports. It was a three-on-three tournament uh, in conjunction with the pop-up shop. And, and Tere can speak to it. It was pretty dope. We had a huge turnout, food, yeah. basketball, a really, really good ball, man. It was yeah, – They were really it, hooping it, out it there. It was really good. Like, man, it tripped <laughs> me out because, like, I'll be frankly honest, it was more so about getting bodies out there and having a good time. But the level of ball that was played was wild. Like, we really mm-hmm. had some – some really good hoovers come out like for just a a community hoop session i was like i was thoroughly impressed so like it got real competitive down the end we went into what would be considered like quadruple overtime for a three on three game like it was just it was dope man it was it was real good basketball we was able to give out some free gear and and just have the community together so just having that having that unison and just having people come out and have an identity and using the brand as a vehicle for unison is is what this is all about. So as we get ready to move forward, we're, we're really trying to take this idea of uniting one neighborhood at a time before trying to get two neighborhoods to unite so you yep. can feel more confident in your home before you got to try to go talk to your neighbor. Because, you know, we, we, we appreciate at East Envisions, what I want to make sure that we appreciate is the individuality of each space. You know, I am different because I grew up in the East Side. You know, someone who grew mm-hmm. up in Park Hill is different. And Mark Mondo, mm-hmm. they are different. We have to figure out a way to highlight these differences and that competitive nature in the neighborhoods without using violence. Because that's yeah. all Little League sports was, was Mondo Falcons, Park Hill Falcons, yeah. the Disciples, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. These are, yeah. It's the example of using that geographical difference in a positive way. But when you get older and systematic disadvantages kick in, it's just different. No, I feel that, man. Yeah, And you hit on something important. And I think it's something that Edney trying to highlight in the, that I, when you see these systems try to, you know, they always talk about like black and brown kids, mm-hmm. right? Like, like we're moving in like a monolith, like our, like just as any human being, our environment in the specific culture and the, the unique nuances that take place, like in any particular space, um, really inform the way you think and the way you see the world, right? Mm-hmm. And that like, for some reason, it's crazy to these systems that like my identity is built upon more than like my race yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever I check back on the on these things or my identity is more than just me being a quote unquote free or reduced lunch student. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why these systems keep particularly the education system keeps hitting its head on the wall because it's mm-hmm. trying to bundle things up that aren't bundled. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and so I think, you know, one of, one of the dopest things I think about your vision is the fact that it's saying, no, there is something very unique and beautiful here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and only somebody from here can really understand and truly appreciate mm-hmm. all those small nuances. Mm-hmm. Let us be able to build, get out of our way. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The other, the other thing that was impressive to me, man, is I remember you talking about something like this shit in like July. Mm-hmm. And it, you said it was like August something, right? Like mid-August yeah. that you turned this around, man. Like, how did you turn it around so quick? Was it something that you were already building on or? Man, for me, I think that, and and one thing I think is also dope about you, and I think that's why we click is, before you talk about resources, before you talk about uh, the actual action of things, it's all behind the philosophy and the, the ideas behind it. Why? And, one thing that I also see is really dope about you and something that's dope about Indium and what it grows is, is the idea of taking your story 
and making it produce something. And what the program really opened the eyes to me was, is that I've always known my story. You know, it's always been there, or I've always at least been aware of my story. And once I really acknowledged that and said, damn, this story is like, it's got some depth to it. And not only does it have some depth to it, it translates to an mm-hmm. entire space. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, it's really just now doing it. And then when you, and once you know it and you know the power behind it, once you speak it, you know that it attracts resources, um, it attracts opportunities. So uh, one day, basically, man, when I saw a kid named Davari Armstrong had got killed in a, in a party, he, um, I heard his story, man. It just, it sounded like me. I'm just going to be honest. It's like, it's the idea of the kid who was down to earth, was chasing sports, you know, was chasing this idea of college, knew what was best for him but was around the homies, you know what I yeah. mean? A lot of homies and that. And at the end of the day, he uh, he knew better, but at the end of the day, he was a human being and valued his connections. Yeah. It was a long space, wrong time, tried to be a mediator, uh, tried to be the peaceful and then ended up losing his life. And yeah. I can't tell nobody how many times I've been in that situation. Yeah. I can't, you feel me? And you can relate like, yeah. well, you've been with the homies that really in the mix and then you see them dudes really in the mix the other way and you like damn like because i'm outside of this fear and because i'm also respected mm-hmm. i might be able to one to calm this down and, well, and it's still family and it's still family yeah. and it's still family so when he um when he lost his life i just remember standing on my balcony and i was just like i'm not go another kid's not go die without me making an effort hmm. and i just made that decision and then um I took what I had at the moment, just the, the the few resources I had at the moment and just banked on myself and and I've been yeah. going with it. And it's been like that literally month after month after month. It's just <laughs> taking what people believe, the people that do believe in me and what I got and just banking on myself every time. And um, there's a freedom that that lives with this though. When you just, when you go on upon your ideas and, and living free, um, yeah. it just feels good, man. A hundred percent, man. You said something powerful. I'm not gonna let another kid die without me putting in the effort. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that's crazy, man. Like in the way that the way that you were able to turn it around, a lot of people talk about it and don't actually do nothing. You know what I mean? Or I don't know, like you play football, right? You know, when you're like running last and the, uh, the coach tells you to hustle, yeah. but instead of hustling, you just kind of start moving your arms a little faster to give the yeah. illusion that yeah. you're working hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, since, since I saw you have this idea, to where it launched, I could see, right? Like it was, it was, it was harder and harder to get a hold of Elijah. And like to me, that's a symbol of just like somebody working, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't know, if you're a real one, you you, you yeah. recognize people yeah. on their grind yeah. and trying to build something. Um, tell me a little bit about that grind though. Like, mm-hmm. like what what skills is it requiring out of you that you didn't necessarily expect? Man, I would say for me, what I what I want this to look like and the vision I have for this and and the dream that I have for this, I would just say at first it was like, okay, I got to do everything from top to bottom. But learning to um, to like delegate responsibilities, and especially for me, it was just like it's a bad. It was it was like um, some things that counteracted against each other. Because for me, I'm very much about inclusion of other people's ideas. Because I understand that like I was blessed with a, a brilliant mind, but not the most brilliant, and you know, and not the only brilliant one. So. There are a lot of brilliant people that I come across. So it was the idea of how can I include 
some more brilliant ideas, but also and allow those ideas to grow without me wanting to be hands on them just to make sure they fit and make sure they get done. Because it's not always just about it fitting the program, but just actually achieving something and getting it done. And like you said, a lot of people drag their feet and stuff, but I just wasn't prepared for, I wasn't prepared for the idea of just really allowing people to take not only my ideas and their ideas and trusting them to get them done in a yeah. timely manner. And I think that some of that comes from, and what I realized is, is where I have the benefit above people is that I've gone to college and I have networked and I have been in an environment where people can get stuff done. The downside of it is that's only four of the 23 years I've been on this planet. I've spent more <laughs> years being around people, networking with people who can't get stuff done, who, you know what I'm saying, are afraid to chase their ideas. So it's just the, the lack of being in the environment. And that's what you really realize is like, you get into these environments with these people who, you know, are maybe have been doing this for 10, 15 years or have been in this in their whole lifetime. And you realize those little nuances of like, there's just some things like, okay, dang, I didn't know this because I've never seen this. Mm -hmm. And also it, when you become that person and you're dealing with people like, okay, they don't know how to do better because they've never seen this. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like those tiny nuances of being in the environment of just like a quick, effective communication. You know, yeah. I was involved with some people who were, you know, more so in an environment like me. They did not communicate to the speed needed. But I'll be honest, then I got involved with some people who were above me and then I wasn't communicating to the speed they needed. Yeah. So yeah. it's just things along just those levels. Yeah, it's just little stuff I, like that. I struggle with the delegation too, man. Mm -hmm. I like, I think it's because I come from an environment and I remember like working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard this where it's like, uh, Oh, the manager doesn't even do nothing. He just tells us what to do. Yeah. Kind of a thing, right? Like like this this sense of mm -hmm. not understanding what, what the work in that space and that capacity looks like, you know? Yeah. And like, I never wanted to be the person that, I don't know, man, I have this like deep fear, I guess, of like feeling like I'm the person. I, I never want to be the person that is like telling somebody to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so I remember I got my first like internship. Um, it was at Target when I was in college or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like I was this like 19-year-old kid that was supposed yeah. to be managing these people that have been working there for like 20 years. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't build trust with them by just coming in. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like they know what they're talking about. And so I would get in trouble because I was moving too many bananas or like whatever grapes and stuff yeah, right yeah. like because i worked in the food department and they would tell me consistently like bro like you got to delegate you gotta you gotta manage you can't be doing you know what i mean it was it was this weird paradigm yeah. shift yeah. that i'm still trying to get used to it's weird mm -hmm. yeah yeah but how, how have you learned like how have you gone about building that skill set i think it's really just trusting the uh genuine connections with people man i think that one one way to deal with it and and that's kind of the nature of this business i think too of like social entrepreneurship is that is that in a lot of times especially in the beginning stages you really got to lean on your team mm -hmm. and and lean on the the relationships that you've already built from the foundation and running with the team that's kind of been there before east envisions got started or east first wasn't birth and when you was just Elijah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean just whoever you are. So like really utilizing those people who've been in my corner as just um, real family and real friends. But with that being said, 
also choosing the ones who are, you know, taking steps to actually live a, a, a life worth living, you know, yeah. because I've got, I've got deep connections with people that are living life wild right now. That's just the truth. And then I've got deep connections with people who got degrees from Harvard. So like when you're looking at giving responsibilities to one of those two, uh, if you're a person of intellect, you know who you're going to choose there. So yeah. I just started looking at my relationships with people and, and people who were involved. And I started looking at, okay, based on what the relationship is with this person and also where they're standing in life, what responsibility fits them the best. And then I think that's just kind of the way I think I'll see myself growing. Like I can't guarantee every person I work with will be um, a close friend of mine, but I do, I can say that anybody I work with on a grand scale, I will try to have a relationship with because I just think that's just so critical when you're trying to build some things and, and with me, my idea is in fortune and fame, it's change. And I know that in order to make change, you got to have an effective relationship with whoever you're trying to make change with, because making change is a lot harder than making change. If you mm -hmm. know what I mean, you know what I mean? So that's a bar. You feel me? Yeah, that's just real <laughs> life though. You know, it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot harder to influence and change minds than it is to, to make some money. Because yeah. it, it, that's just my honest, assessment of this life like i know how to make a quick buck illegally yeah. and legally it's fast much faster than i can go shift these people who have a different mindset and a different thinking and if i'm gonna do that with somebody it's got to be somebody who believes in more than just making a dollar in the situation because that the dollar is not strong enough for that it's just not yeah no i feel that but you know we, we you know this about nm you know in the in the work in the education policy work right and we've been mm -hmm. we've been asking this question a lot around like how do we start to uncover the skill sets that need to be developed mm -hmm. in order to in order to thrive you know and that, that idea of like building relationships yeah i don't i don't know i didn't start intentionally thinking about that until i was like 25 26. yeah yeah you know what i mean like you know so like with, with the relationship and the delegation and the other kind of like tactical things I feel like you can learn. Mm -hmm. But I guess I guess my question to you is like, what do you feel you got from your educational experience within DPS, I guess, in particular, that helped you and like what hurt you? Mm. And what do you wish you would have gotten? That is that is deep, man. That is crazy because <sighs> take a second, man. Okay, so with with DPS, that's just crazy because it's like going to manual was just so different. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but highlight this was so different because I feel like where DPS did kind of benefit me is they try to make it as community and family based as possible, at least manual did. Mm -hmm. So like the understanding and valuing connecting with people was good and dandy. Like we were taught that, but what I would say is, is teaching it to transition is a completely different point. Like I don't ever remember in DPS them making an emphasis on helping me understand what was going on around me and teaching me how it made me and how it can translate to making a story. See, like they just pushed me to go to college. I don't remember being pushed on, okay, what are you going to go to college to do? And how are you gonna take what you learned from here develop it in college and then come home and produce it or go somewhere else and produce it. I don't remember having one conversation about that. I just remember having a conversation around taking care of things I need to take care of to get to college 
and get the resources maybe to get to college. Like I, I'll admit, um, um, just in case you might hear this, Miss Rebecca Knobloch, I think was her name, as a Daniel uh, Scholarship Foundation person was great in terms of helping me with FAFSA and, and, yeah. um, and all that good stuff. But in terms of teaching me how my story was gonna benefit me and how I could grow it and what tools would help me grow it as I took the step to shift into a brand new environment. Because unless you go to, you know, Metro or to like a big school and this, <laughs> I don't know the numbers, but like I would challenge a lot of DPS students, I would say, at least that I went to school with and know about, didn't always go to the CU Boulders or, you yep. know what I mean? They go to a big Metro. They went to these tiny colleges like Fort Lewis, Adams State, um, Washburn, these other little tinier, institutions which are dramatic environment and culture shifts from denver so it's super. like like super like durango i love durango at a good time but durango is nothing like denver colorado alamosa <laughs> yeah. is nothing like denver colorado so like yeah. dps didn't necessarily prepare me to use a college environment and a college atmosphere and you know help me break down on like what tools can i use to grow my story in order to get it there. And I feel like that's a piece, uh, a piece that's missing because a lot of kids go to school with no, not only without a plan, but just without an idea, without yeah. just a path of, with that feels secure from coming from their own story and coming from their own experiences and their yeah. own desire. So then they get up to these schools and then they're just thrusted into higher academia, which has its its challenges and its, and its, and its deep complications. And the next thing you know, they're home after the first year or semester. Yeah, man. Yeah. It makes me think of this, uh, this thing, my uncle. So like, you know, with, with my story, I went to DU. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember wanting to transfer out after like orientation, mm. you know what I mean? And it was because I heard, I don't know, man, like, you know, like the get to know, yeah, like the get to know you kind of things and yeah. what you do this summer. And like, yeah. you know, I heard yeah, I took a backpacking trip in Norway. I was like, wait, where's Norway? And what is backpacking? Like, exactly. that sounds, <laughs> you exactly. know, what I mean, or like, you know, I was I was in this thing, Cancun or whatever. And then I saw like, you know, their parents were like politicians. And mm -hmm. my dad's a CEO of this. And my dad's a CEO of that. And that's not what my reality was like at all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but the thing that like tripped me out, or I think really kind of the catalyst for Adnium too, was that idea. I had a conversation with my uncle and I was telling him I wanted to transfer. And he was like, why? I was like, cause I don't have anything to contribute in these spaces. Yeah. People are all already, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and he was like, look, man, like that's what he told me. He was like, look, like street smarts are smarts too. Like, and understand that like you've gone through more in your 18 years than a lot of people have gone to go through in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's like you have you have so much more understanding of how this thing works than you even realize like that that connection. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then also that idea of like, how do we translate the task that they're putting into like put in front of us to an opportunity? Absolutely. Right? And it's really hard. I've learned for a lot of people from the high schoolers that are in my house now mm -hmm. to be able to understand, like, how does this assignment help me connect? to what I want to do like I don't I don't see the connection I don't see the why behind it so how do you expect me to like take it seriously I'm just going to try to get this shit done or procrastinate and push it off you know what I mean Absolutely. Um, and I think the biggest part is that like we have a hard time helping people define their why like you said mm -hmm. earlier you know what I mean and I just wonder how we start to incorporate the fact that your story has value mm -hmm. with 
you need to be able to understand your mission and that makes these tasks and all those little things a little bit easier to do because you can easier. see the progress you know absolutely you can see the light at the end of the tunnel <clears throat> you can see the light at the end of the tunnel or at least you know the light's there somewhere uh-huh uh-huh uh, absolutely you know? even if you yeah. can't see it yeah no that's i don't know how to do it because it's hard as hell man i'll be trying to talk to my son yeah it's hard man and i think that it's just um it's really getting it's getting to embracing that identity and embracing it man and and seeing people who have embraced it being successful like uh for me another thing that really pushed eastern visions is i got to see nipsey on march 9th 2018. just a what's crazy is i was at that same exact show for real yeah yeah me and alvaro and Dwayne. it's crazy right Wild. <laughs> it's crazy but the world's this big but just seeing him bro like just kind of seeing he was a great example of somebody who embraced their story you yep. know what i mean and, and embraced um the image that he was built from and the, the environment he was built from and understanding that beautifulness and just being able to see people like that and and see people like brother jeff in the community and, and phil and and p jones these people that have like actually done what we're talking about and have yep. been in our community and are, I like to call ghetto superstars, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yep. in, in, a, in a positive light, it's it's really just seeing like it actually works, man. It, it actually is not, you know, empty labor if you really do commit to it. And understanding that, you know, for me, it was an accepting a reality piece. Like when I went off to college, I very much had this perception that I'd go to school, meet a meet a woman get married get a degree and move somewhere and live off yep. but then when i got to understand my story and understand my life i realized that the reality of the situation is is that you know i'm i'm a religion you know i have a relationship with god i'm religious so like i feel like god aligned me to be in the city of denver hmm. he aligned me to give to these people and that's just the reality and when i accepted that my journey was leading me to this reality everything became beautiful and i think that there's a deeper whether you believe it's spiritual or emotional piece that comes to it when you're talking to these group of kids or an adult or whatever is what is reality showing you what is the direction of your life really showing you and it might be time for you to accept the positives of it and run with it even if it's not what you thought you were going to do at 12 13 14. i thought i'd be in the nba when i was 12. Yeah. and i thank yeah. god i'm not because what i'm doing now is so much more meaningful and 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 for me and for the people that you know god placed me around yeah yeah have you read the alchemist i have read the alchemist that idea of like the omens yeah like just like there's something about that like too to be able to just keep your eyes open for those signs mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they'll tell you mm -hmm. where to go and i think all those kinds of things are connected right like absolutely yeah yeah huh i mean this 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 has been dope man i mean i think before we head out i want to give you kind of a space to let people know like what's next for these ambitions what do you mm -hmm. need what kind of support mm -hmm. um and then just kind of just give us some give us some more part party wisdom, man. <laughs> man for me um i think that for me and the team what's next is <clears throat> is just really looking for the spaces where we can make the most influence and just using this apparel line as a vehicle really for change uh, i like t-shirts i like hoodies but this is much more than selling t-shirts and selling hoodies 
I'm just looking for the spaces that are um, most authentic. So I think that for me, what, what, what me and the team would definitely want as moving forward and what we're looking for moving forward is building different connections in different neighborhoods that are super authentic more so for example um the mentor that i'm like directly under i consider myself under his name is philip douglas he runs a, a program called make a chess move Mackham. and what makes phil especially unique and is what i call him my og and kind of my guru in this is his level of authenticity with the neighborhood is unbelievable like phil looks like a crip dress like a crip, talk like a crip. You just, if you're from the east side, you just know he's not a crip. He just embodies the cripping and east side culture that comes with it. And because he's embodied it and because he's authentic and real and his approach is genuine, his connection with the, with the kids in the neighborhood and with just my generation in the neighborhood in general is down to earth and grassroots foundational as me and you were talking about. So being able to utilize what we do in the east side has been easy because that's my connection, but also because of the foundation Phil is built. Now for these other communities like Aurora, Montbello, Westwood, um, all these other pockets throughout Globeville, you know, out here, I, I moved out here in Thornton, I'm learning that the gang culture out here is for real. Um, yep. Just in general, for whatever the community activists that exist, you know, if you're authentic and you've got the real ones, I'm talking about the factors, I'm not talking about the dudes, they need to be reached too, but I'm not talking about the dudes that are still on the fence. I'm talking mm -hmm. about the dudes that have crossed that line. If you've got that connection and you've got that built, then let's work because those are the people that really can interject the, the framework and the system of the gangs like we need to. But you got to be authentic and you got to be real. So I just challenge anybody who, you know, hears of what we're doing and, and, and thinks that it's something you want to be a part and grow with and, and you know, merch, whatever you've got going on. Um, you know, my messages are always open, but I'm just definitely looking for those um, mentors and those people that are really tapped into whatever community, not just on the, the surface level. And, and really just a challenge out to anybody who's doing this. If you're not down to go to your neighborhood and, and kick it with the most dangerous of the most dangerous, then you're not, in my opinion, you're not doing this correctly. You know, yep. if you're not down to go in and, and deal with the dudes, because those are the shot callers I'm talking about. You know, the big homie that just got out of the pen doing 10, 15. If you're not down to go sell him a hoodie or talk to him about what it is and, and get his opinion and his wisdom, then, you know, you're probably not doing this right. And I'm probably not the person you want to work with because no. I'm looking for, you know, a deep level of authenticity. So moving forward, just trying to plug into different community. I'm hoping in mid to late January, we start dropping um, Hillside first, Aco first, Montbello first just a whole different first campaign, uh, hoodies, t-shirts, and sweats coming in. Um, we want every neighborhood to be represented in this. So if you want to be a part of that and help setting up some different pop-up shops, because, you know, I'm not afraid to step in any community with this, you know, from Montbello to Park Hill to Westwood, Goldville. If you're about this, I'll, I'll set up a, a, a tent and a, and a table and we'll sell them. So That's uh, dope. yeah, just reach out to me, man. And I'm a uh, big shout out to you, bro. I'm proud of you for what you're doing. Thank you for, Appreciate you, you coming out here, man. And I just love what you're growing, man. You've got, I think, what is going to be the most groundbreaking program for education in the city, hands down. And it's going to be comprehensive, not only just for the youngins, but for older cats. You, you've got it down that education is much deeper than a textbook. And it's much deeper from, you know, just five to 18, five to 21. This is a, yeah. a lifetime relationship thing. So 
I appreciate what you're doing in the community, man. And I'm here to help you grow this as much as I'm here to grow East Envisions. Yeah, we got each other, man. I appreciate that. that. How do they find you? Oh, man, right now I'm on Instagram. You can tap me in at uh, East Envisions underscore apparel. Um, Twitter, same thing, East Envisions. Facebook, I am Elijah Huff. Website coming real, real, real soon. We're just getting, I'm real picky. So I'm really trying to make sure everything <laughs> is, uh, is laid out. I'm not afraid to do it slow and do it the right way. I believe in perfect timing. So uh, yeah, just add me on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, any of that good stuff. Cool. And since you won't say it, I'm going to tell them, go buy some damn shirts. Yeah, buy some shirts, this, man. <laughs> support this shirts, vision. Share some, you know what I mean? Or at the end of the day, next pop-up shop, make sure you're coming out. Um, share it with the youth. If you got a high schooler, if you got a middle schooler, if you got any schooler, um, share it with them and spread that idea because I'm a firm believer that as much as I love the adults, um, we're already a generation behind. So I've yeah. got to try to jump ahead and get to that next generation because we're pretty stuck in our ways, but their brains are still sponges. So yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. All right, brother. Well, I'll let you get back to your Sunday. Um, Love you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Love you too. Bro. Oh, before I gotta let you know the wall, I'm feeling it. Look, you already got the podcast wall. You hey, you see? The, you know what I'm saying? You already set, man. So go ahead and take this viral. You already <laughs> you got, you, bro. You got your Jalen Rose going on in the back. Hey, you know, all I now all I need is Jalen Rose's hairline. I'm just, hey, man, don't, don't be all rich. God, God built me something different and just laid it on him as a baby. <laughs> We're also not gonna sit here and act like you didn't just glow up with a beard. You have no I idea. Did. So I, hey, hey, man. So listen here. I hide this most of really? the year. I hide this. So like, man, I mean, uh, I get in these periods, man. I swear it's like I live too damn deep or philosophical where I just get gritting. Like I've been grinding. I've been working. I've been driving the gang of DoorDash. So like I'll go through periods where I won't cut my hair. I'll just leave my hair just woolly. So I'm getting ready to take this off. But yeah, man, I, oh, man. I'm hiding this from the world. <laughs> don't don't take it off, man. You have no idea what I would do to be able to grow a beard, man. It's coming, man. It's just now starting to really connect in some of the spots it hasn't been, man. So it's just my barber always told me, he was like, when you like 23, 24, grow it out again. So this is the first time since I was like 20, I've been, I've, I've let it grow on my face. I've been faithfully every two weeks, man. Man, yep, take it yep. <laughs> man, I try, I try so hard, dog. You have no idea. I just got patches. It just, it just don't, it just doesn't that's work. So I see I'll people that can, there, I see oh, people yeah. that can grow them and they say they're going to shave them. I get mad. Like you don't even appreciate what you got. <laughs> that's how one of our roommates is. He just barely got the chops and bro be like, Dude, you 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 ungrateful. He about you better just keep working. Like, you, got, you got to, man. You got to. What's up, man? Go Bron Are you a Bronco fan? I am a Broncos fan. We got the ass there. We about to whip their ass today. We got to get that. We got to get that. All right, man. All right, much love. I appreciate man. you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, y'all. That was Elijah Huff. I appreciate my brother coming out for us. Thanks for taking some time to listen. This week's Denver Artist Spotlight is Elijah's main man. Jacob Campbell. Uh, the song is from his 2019 project. It's called Living This Moment. Peace.
this year been crazy I learned that God gon' break me Just in order to save me My radio never played me My whole city gon' hate me And show me fake love I put my mom on the TV You can't tell me shit And in a year I'm about to make us rich Now I ain't seen no star And I ain't make no wish I pray to God and I work hard as shit Yeah, I work hard for this and then I took 10 more I turned my life into tic-tac-toe Cause when I blow I had to dodge three X's in a row I caught the first girl I know on my speed dial Cause when we Netflix and chill we watch me now I would see now, happy that I could see now Everything happens for a reason, I believe now I took meetings with labels, trying to get seats at the table Yeah, I was trying to get ahead of it And then I realized that I'd rather be the head of it who thought my penmanship would have me popping like a sedative? The best circle, you ain't next to this. We the shit, don't step in this. You get a few dead presidents. Now my whole fucking city on some jealous shit. Let me bask in this. Let me live in the moment. I wanna live in this moment. I never live in the moment. Let me live in this moment. Yeah. All this emotion, things in the open. Nights I was hoping. I was joking, all in the open Let me live in the moment I wanna live in the moment Let me live in this moment Don't take me away 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 You can never understand This is for the people in the stands This is for my fans I'm flying where you land Don't ever show your hands Ironic how chance gave me a chance yeah. I wanna live in this moment forever In my Andre voice Forever, ever? Forever, ever? I'm the glue cause I hold us together If it's weight feather, I turn to Mayweather mm. I'm mixing pain with the temper Get to snapping like a center Trying to handle all the pressure I'm laughing at your lecture I'm laughing to the bank And I laugh at your Beretta I ain't scared to die And all you rappers live a lot You swear you put in fear But I can see it in your eyes You more penny proud than penny wise You still a clown note Just with a brown nose Try and get it I thank God that I'm winning Cause these bills still coming And my bitch still bitching I'm just praying that the money fix it Hey, throw the clipping Cause my palm's itching And everything that I've given Everything I was joking, all in the open, let me live in the moment I wanna live in the moment, let me live in this moment Don't take me away, don't take me away, don't take me away Don't take me away, don't take me away, don't take me away.